0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fan Feel here. Um, I'm your host, Nathan, and this is Colton Cranmore. And we have a special guest tonight. This is Turnpike. Um, We brought him on because we needed somebody to kind of fill the void that Alex left for us, and same with Jared. Uh, Both of them are here tonight. So we wanted to get their opinions on some things. Um, It's been a really busy week in terms of motorsports. We're going to start off with some uh, open wheel free agency craziness. So, um, first of all, I want to start with IndyCar. we heard that Callum Ilon extended for Hunco's and Renus VK is still a free agent. So, Turnpike, what do you think about that?
1: Um, first off, Howdy, pleasure to be here. Um, second off, I really like Renus VK. Uh, maybe it's just that Dutch driver thing that I'm I'm just kind of into. Um, but I think he's had he's had good results. I mean, you can't you can't fault him. I think he's driving perfectly fine. He's not a guy going out there causing, you know, numerous accidents, tearing up equipment. So, uh I really like him. I like Callum Ilott too. I liked him in F2. Um so I'd prefer to see both of them back personally.
0: Yeah, so. I'm pretty happy too. I mean, I was surprised at Callum Ilott because I know that he was good in F2 I, some people thought that he was faster than Schumacher was and I was kind of interested to see him in any car because I didn't know a lot about him and he's really impressed yeah. me this season. Like it's obviously he's not on the best team, so to see him show out like he has is pretty cool. And same for VK, because I think that it's important for other teams than just Ganassi or Penske to do well. I feel like having a good ECR car is really important for the series.
1: Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree. Yeah. I think it's just
0: better because the parody is there. And I think the more guys that are willing to build up a midfield team, I think the better it is for the series. I mean, it's, maybe not better for them, but I think it's better for us.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I kind of feel that IndyCar is starting to get a little bit of an identity as a uh, a holding series. So you've got people like... Kat- ...and F2, and we're good, you know, good enough, um, that really didn't have rides available or anything of that sort. Hey, we got a place for you in IndyCar, you know? And, uh, I think that the, just the strength of the, uh, the formula Euro ladder is so strong that uh, those guys can immediately come over here, hop in IndyCar and, uh, provide one, a lot of technical help because, you know, they've been around it so much. They can drive the snot out of a race car and they can help, you know, midfield teams, you know, start to build that program because they're going to have a driver advantage and that's going to show.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that we're in a good spot for IndyCar and, I can't be more excited for the future because I think that if you were a fan before um or right after reunification, there were some pretty lean times in terms of drivers. So I mean, as much as I want to see American guys get in there, I think it's good for the sport because we're getting so many quality drivers, it just couldn't go to F one.
1: Yeah. I would I would I would agree with that. So great point. Yeah.
0: And another thing when it comes to open wheel is we're not even to the tip of the iceberg yet. I mean or correct me if I'm wrong, we're at the tip of the iceberg because there's a lot more to go. Um, if you've been following F1 News this week, I mean, it's been crazy. First of all, we had Vettel announce his retirement last week on a Wednesday. And then just a little bit after Hungary ended, and we found out that Alonso is going to join Aston Martin next year. And it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that Oscar Piastri was going to take his seat. But things happened. He was announced to Alpine. A couple hours later, he says... I was not announced for Alpine. I'm not signing this contract and now it's just a mess. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that and where you think he's gonna wind up next year.
1: One, that is a Chad move. What a what a big baller move to come out and be like, No, I'm not driving for you. Like I'm no. And that I think that shows that he's probably got some some good good offers at least what, you know, somewhere else because yeah. to publicly turn down a formula one seat, especially, you know, there's only, there's only 20 seats to begin with and to turn one of those down is that is pretty brutal. All things considered. Um, yeah. I, mean, I think of I course the writing on the wall is probably McLaren. It's looking like McLaren. And I'm sure we'll talk about McLaren a little bit here in a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know if I would pick McLaren over Alpine at the moment. I mean, they've both underperformed this year. I mean, Mc- McLaren definitely has. McLaren's fallen yeah, off a cliff. A um, of course, they were they were okay last year. I would consider them best of the rest last year. But this, this mm-hmm. year, they're just another midfield. I mean, Daniel Ricciardo struggled. Lando's struggled all right. But I don't know if I would consider that a huge upgrade over Alpine. Alpine. Yeah, however you I would say. say
0: Alpine. I mean, in terms of car performance, I feel like the Alpine's kind of right there. Um, I think that McLaren has more resources, yes, but at the same time, it's not resources aren't everything. So I'm interested to see yeah. whether or not Piastri really has a guaranteed seat at McLaren because someone did say that Ricardo has the option himself to end that contract, and yeah. the only way that they could kick him out is to literally pay out his expensive contract, which is probably – at least 15 million dollars maybe more.
1: Yeah. That is that is kind of weird because I mean, they could do that, but if we're just going ahead and talking about McLaren, McLaren is in a really weird situation where it's I mean, it's a good situation to have. They have more professional drivers and they have seats. I mean, look at the McLaren pipeline. Right now you've got Daniel Ricciardo, Lando Norris, IndyCar, Pato Award, and Felix Rosenquist. I would consider as much as I love Felix Rosenquist, I would say he's probably the weakest of their lineup. No, nope, yeah, I don't think anything ready. bad of him. I just think that the lowest there has to be someone on the lowest bit of that podium, and that is him. But uh, it just shows yeah. that how incredible everyone else is. I and mean, then you've got Pillow coming eventually. Once that gets settled, you've got probably Piastri. I mean. They're just—they have just bought out the entire driver market. Maybe that's yeah, their strategy. We might not have the best car, but you're not going to have any drivers. So, fair enough.
0: Yeah, I'm impressed. I feel like um, it's really interesting because I thought for sure that it would be an in and out thing with Alpine Alonzo yeah. Piastri, but from what I heard, there was a source saying that Alonzo's management team knew that the deal for Piastri expired on the 31st of July. So he—it sounds more or less like he purposefully waited to sign that deal so that he would pretty much just cause a nice. complete, complete like circus when it comes to Alpine's driver market. Because obviously, it's it's been pretty well known that he and Ottmar Zahnauer don't necessarily see eye to eye. Even if they don't publicly disagree, they just don't. There's something there that seems like they don't get along.
1: I mean, he basically did to to Alpine what. Otmar did to Martin, Aston Martin, you know. So I can't yeah. really fault either of them. They've kind of they're kind of one to one now. But uh I know it's <laughs> it's a tough situation. It's not a situation that I strive to be a part of. Uh, no. Let them get that all settled on their own. But uh yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the coming uh, weeks, months and I mean year at this point.
0: Yeah, I was impressed also with um the deal rumors of Aston Martin with Alonzo, it seems like he has an option for up to four years and he has this option to end the deal whenever he wants. So he's getting a massive pay raise nice. and he pretty much just gets to drive for as long as he wants. So I've the fact that him at 41 years old was able to talk a team into doing that. That's a pretty good win for him.
1: And the Tom Brady of Formula One. Yeah. Plays I mean, I just wants. hope he
0: has a good car because I've, I've been an Alonzo fan for, like, my entire childhood, so I don't want to deal with any more suffering than I already have.
1: Nice. I mean, also, I think um, oh, go ahead. if he gets a win, he might call it. If he gets one last win somehow. Yeah. Get one last win and dip.
0: Yeah. I mean, at that point, he could go to IndyCar. I would rather him go to IndyCar as soon as That'd he wins cool. one more race. Because I feel like I'm he's got in a better packet. chance of winning every week. Oh, you know, he's still yeah. got other races. I, I would tend way. to a,
1: I'd love to see him in IndyCar. That would be so cool.
0: I mean, I would. I mean, you saw what happened when Nigel Mansell went IndyCar. I mean,
1: I yeah. don't think it's out of the realm oh. that he could
0: win the title.
1: Fernando Alonso to the ten. That would be pretty. Replacing cool. Polo. That would be amazing. That would be pretty dope. Could you imagine Fernando yeah. Alonso, Jimmy Johnson on the same team? That would be pretty baller. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that almost actually happened. Um, I think in 2020, before COVID happened, McLaren talked to, I think, Jensen Button was supposed to run Road America. Um, obviously, yeah. Alonso ran Indy. And then I think Johnson was in the running, but obviously he had NASCAR commitments and couldn't do it.
1: Yeah. Crazy. Crazy stuff. Yeah.
0: And also, one more thing about F1 is that Colton pointed this out in the private chat, but... Um, Logan Sargent's making his FP1 debut this October in Coda, so it's going to be kind of cool to have an American driver on American soil. So this has got to be the first time since Rossi, I imagine. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, 2015. Yeah, it Which won't is be ironic. A race, but it's still it's, it's a start. It's ironic that this got announced right after Rossi won his first race in like three years. Yeah.
0: I'm excited for that because I'm, I'm sure you've heard the name Dalton Sargent before. In the truck series, um, yep. yeah. That's his brother. I think he's the first American to win an FIA karting title since Lake Speed mm-hmm. back in the '70s. So,
1: yeah, Logan Lake Speed beat Aaron really Senna. Yeah,
0: yeah like Lake it's a big Be deal Air. for somebody from America to make it this far. It's not really common anymore. I mean, yeah. I know guys like Newgarden and Herda went to Europe, but they came right back. So he's yeah. the only one that really Sticked it out. It seems like. It'll be cool. My brother has another chance.
1: Race. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I would love to. I I just, I just can't. It's, it stinks, but I just can't right now. (laughs) Coda and Indy five hundred are on my bucket list currently. So.
0: Yeah, I would love to. Like you said, I would love it. But another thing with the. So we've got Logan Sargent, we've got Oscar Piastri, got all these things going on with F1 next year, and that doesn't even begin to cover where Daniel Ricciardo winds up next year. You know, does he do one more year from McLaren, yeah. or is he to go back to Alpine? Like, who
1: knows? At this point, it depends on how Daniel feels. If he feels like he's got the short end of the stick, he might choose to leave. If he feels like, well, I've still got this option, this might be my best chance to win a race before I'm you know, probably done. It it just yeah, depends on this- what headspace Daniel's in. Because, I mean, I don't think that car has race-winning speed or anything, but, I mean, anything can happen.
0: Yeah, it's been pretty weird to watch last year. I know that the car doesn't fit the way he drives, but, I mean, I have fit no... It not the way Lando drives it.
1: either, apparently. Yeah, it
0: doesn't either, and he's able to adapt to it. I think it's just a matter of adaptation, and I think it's pretty clear now that it's it's not a really good relationship on either side of the team. You know, I don't think they trust one another. and I feel like in the sense of doing one more year, it wouldn't work for either of them because it's just, it's kind of just prolonged torture, if you will. I think like Turnpike said earlier, Alpine is such a similar car to McLaren performance wise, but it drives totally differently. So he could probably go back there and do a lot better just because the car fits the way he drives.
1: Yeah, that, I mean that could be a that could be a great move for him. Of course, I haven't studied his driving style enough, or in general of anybody's, to be able to be like, oh yeah, they would love that car. But yeah, I don't either. Uh, but I heard that. Yeah, <laughs> I just that heard would be that interesting. I'm not. I'm not against it, it. So
0: I wouldn't be either. I mean, not he did really good it. in 2020 for Renault, so I wouldn't be shocked if he were to move and instantly see an upgrade.
1: Yeah, see a couple more Shoeys.
0: Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And I guess now that we've kind of got through most of the big F1 news, and I'm sure it's not going to be over. There's an entire summer break left and probably won't be boring in terms of silly seasons. So I think while we're going to be on the lookout for more of it, I think we're going to have to move on to NASCAR now. Um, For starters, we had a double header at the Indy road course for Xfinity and cup. And we also had trucks at IRP, which was pretty big deal. So I want to start with the trucks at IRP. Um, I'm not sure if you guys all saw it, but it looks like John Hunter Nemechek completely dumped Taylor Gray out of his first win on the Green White Checker. So,
1: hundred percent, he definitely did. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that one too before we get into World jokes.
1: Go ahead, Colton.
2: Go ahead, turn
0: yeah.
1: uh, Oh, you want uh, me? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, terrible move. I like John Hunter. I think he's fantastic. He's a great dude. Um, just a boneheaded moment, I guess. It's like, dude, I understand racing hard for the win, whatever. I am very unapologetic of have at it. You know they will police themselves, but uh, it doesn't hurt any less that you took the first win away from a kid with rookie stripes. I mean, he was in the lead for that race, and cool. uh, there you went and did that, and you didn't even win the race. So there is that point. <laughs> so yeah. bad I news, mean, but I'm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Colton. So, so we all say and we all hear that the truck race has lost all respect and it's just climbing up the ranks into the cup series and Xfinity. And I guarantee the second John Hunter gets run over again, he's gonna bitch about the lack of respect. Even though he just showed Taylor Gray absolutely none. Didn't try to pass him cleanly, just completely fenced him and called it good. And and ruined his own day and chance to win the race at the same time. Um so, I mean, completely boneheaded move by JHN. Um, I mean, I, I get it. If you're racing with Sharks, you kind of got to act like one. But I would have liked to have seen more respect for the competitor after, you know, in that situation.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, like you said, it's of course, it's IRP. It's hard to pass. You know, the bottom's got less banking, so it's going to happen. But it's just you would think you would know that and not just send it in there. It's like, well, you know, it's not going to stick, but I just want to do it either way. You know, it seems right. like there's no more, there's no more conceding in today's NASCAR, and you know, back in, you know, maybe back five years ago, if you don't have a chance at getting the guy, like, you know what, this is fine. I've tried all I can. You know, I'm I'm not going to take the guy out. Whereas now it's like, well, I don't really care if you're the guy guy's wrecked. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to yield at all. Like, even though I have no chance of passing clean, I'm not going to yield the corner. It just seems like there's a lot more, um, just a lot more lack of respect. And I think that it's a little bit sad, but like you said, trucks have the problem and I don't even think it's just trucks anymore.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's every series. And it's, I mean, it's becoming more and more apparent as we keep going. Uh, Like Drew said, Almost all of the big truck guys were complete assholes. Like I I don't think I saw Matt Crafton running into anyone, but I wouldn't be surprised if we just missed it on the broadcast.
0: Yeah, and we saw Carson Hosemar. I mean he right reared somebody. Yeah, what the fuck was that?
1: (laughs) He got into him
0: coming out of the corner.
1: (laughs) Slightly overreaction, I think. Yeah, I think
2: it was just in the in talk about in the moment. Like
1: when it says almost all of the big truck guys, truck guys, does that apply to Haley Deegan?
0: Yeah, I mean, she's I had her fair share of moments in K and N, at least. I don't know if you remember how she raced down there, but <laughs> I would, Well, the same Here's with the true thing: guys.
1: is I have to toe the line in where I feel about this stuff because I am very pro, you know, beating and banging, you know, bumping and you know, aggressive, super aggressive driving. Right. So I like that, but I think there is a difference between being really aggressive somebody for 15 personally Correct. i'm okay with both of those i just think that i mean you just i don't know it's just it's just weird i have to toe a weird line in my stance on that of like yeah i hate when joey logano bumped william byron out of the way that's fine but i'm also not going to say anything about it if william byron had rko'd him into the wall the next week that's just kind of how i feel about these things so yeah do unto others as used. you'd be done too
0: but anyways, now that we've kind of got the uh, preface out of the way, um, let's move on to the Indie Road Course. Um, we're going to start our Woker Jokes series, which is um, definitely our most popular segment on our podcast so far. So we're going to start off with um, the turn one restarts. Um, it's been a big topic, obviously, but we've we've had so many messes. I mean, the initial start, a bunch of restarts, we had guys going eight wide at one point. So want to get your thoughts on this. Um, we'll start off with Turn plank since he's a guest. Um, woke or Joke, what do you think about Turn 1? Do you think we can fix it? And if so, what would you want to do?
1: Okay, so we recorded the podcast today, and this was a topic that got brought up. So I think it's overall, I think it's, it's, it's I guess, woke. I don't know. I'll have to pay a little bit more attention as we go throughout this game so I get a little bit better standing. But... I think that it's such a compound issue. One, this track is not built for big stock cars. This track is built for indie cars. So, that road and that turn is quite narrow. Much more narrow than you would preferably want for, for stock cars. Two, the drivers needed to race with some sort of respect. Going into a turn like that, you have to be willing to concede a position to brake so you don't clobber whoever's in front of you and i think a lot of nascar guys just absolutely refuse to do that that is a high quality image in our background um yes very high quality granted finger for you (laughs) yeah just uh just that in general of when you have hairpin turns like that with a lot of cars there has to be a little bit of respect shown to everyone else and when you are in a series that of course. Nine times out of ten, it doesn't matter that you don't have to respect the people around you. You don't have to be, you know, kind of dance around it to make sure everyone gets through. You just nose in there and what happens, happens. It's not an easy way to fix it. You know, it's either we get some everyone learns how to actually drive a road course, because I feel like a lot of people just didn't know or we try something else. I think it's savable, but it depends on if the drivers want to have it.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to make this a two-parter for myself. I think I'm woke for the design of the corner because I feel like if you watch IndyCar races there, it really does promote wheel-to-wheel racing, you know, through the first couple corners. But when you have guys on a double-file restart that are going A-wide in there, I feel like at what point that, of course, the track encourages that kind of thing happening, but at the same time, it shouldn't be happening to the level it's happening. Cause you saw Logano. I mean, he literally didn't even turn. He just barreled over the curb and just took everybody out. And I feel like it's a woke on the standpoint of the idea of the track design because it's a great passing zone for other types of race cars, but it's a joke based on how they're driving. And I feel like it's almost to the point where NASCAR can't handle some corners. And I think this is definitely a corner that they might not be able to handle.
1: I would agree. Um, there was just no respect shown to anybody.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure if you got that, Colton, before you kind of lagged yeah. out, but um, our woke our, our Woker joke is just Indy turn one
2: in general. Yeah, so as a Blaney fan, I have to say joke um, because we had a top three car all fucking day and got trashed into the green-white checkered into turn one. Um, I'm going to say joke for it. Woke, because I do like the circuit for not stock cars. I love it for anything open-wheel, anything lightweight. Um, I think it's a great track, great circuit. The only way that NASCAR can fix this is to not start the races and restart at the flag stand. If they restart closer down to road course turn one, you won't see guys Mm -hmm. build up that momentum to be able to cut down like that. That is the only way to fix this because you still get that passing opportunity for green flag runs, and it would kind of neuter the ability to jump and pull a Logano on restarts. Um, but other than that, I don't think there's any fixing in it. Um, you're just going to have to deal with it so long as we're racing at any road course that has a tight first turn like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So our next topic is another fairly controversial one. Um, it's on the topic of the escape road. We titled our episode access road and nowhere. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on how the access road impacts the racing and what you think about whether or not the penalties given out for skipping the access road are fair or not, because I think that this is a really controversial topic. So I'm kind of interested to hear from you guys.
1: I went first last time. Thank you, Colton.
2: Colton, you got it. Go.
1: You got Colton, this, Colton. Did? Go ahead.
2: I think I'm here. <laughs> you guys got me?
1: Yeah, you're up first. We you. I went first last night. Okay.
2: Um, so, am I woke for how they handled it, or woke for the penalty? Just woke
0: for the access road in general, and like, what, what what do you think about it? We just want to know. Well, we think everything access road.
2: Just the ability to have that, I'm super woke about it. Um, the ability that guys have to just completely ditch a corner if they know they're not going to make it, love it they NASCAR absolutely should have done the same rule that they do with all sorts of chicanes that if you miss it, you need to come to a complete stop. Um, I don't know why that wasn't a rule before this weekend. I don't know why NASCAR didn't think that guys wouldn't just run straight off and take that cut. Um, Denny Hamlin on DBC this week said he even had a braking zone figured out for that access point that if he needed to, he just wasn't going to let off and then hit the brakes at a certain point to cut, cut back in. Um, as far as the penalty goes, thirty seconds was way too stiff of a penalty in my opinion, um, because Ross definitely didn't gain thirty seconds. He, no. I, I don't even think he gained a second, maybe two seconds on that. Um, so I feel like a 10-second penalty would have sufficed. Um, but kudos to Ross for figuring out the loophole in the system.
1: Yeah, agreed.
2: And turnpike, now it's your turn, man.
1: Okay, I kind of agree. The concept of runoff roads totally woke. I enjoy that. The part of it that is a joke is the turnoff road itself and NASCAR's handling of that. So my point, and I pointed this out in the podcast today, is when I think runoff road, the first one that comes to mind is Turn One at Monza, you know, with the, with yes. the bars and of course, no, of, course about, yeah. of course, Seb just you know running right through them. So, oh, excuse me. So what is beautiful about that is the ballards in that place, you got to bob and weave through them. And if you hit them, that's a penalty. So you got to bob and weave and that takes off the time that you would have gained from cutting the corner. So you come out about where you would have, if you hadn't have missed it. So yeah, that is what my thing is about the runoff road being a joke is it's just a straight line back to the track. like Like it, it, like, it was nothing but a positive. You probably should have taken that every every lap at that point. Um, but I'm also kind of disappointed in NASCAR's handling of it. If I think from what I've heard, everyone looked at that rule and was like, hey, we might be able to get away with this. And Ross was the one that tried it. I mean, he has nothing to lose in that situation. He's already locked in the playoff, mm-hmm. two wins. He's good. So it's worth it to, to try to, because if that sticks, that's big. I feel like that was a that was a good trade off for that. But uh yeah, decide people were using that all day from what I've heard, people sitting there at turn 1 were saying that people were taking the access road quite a bit. So uh it's weird if they would have handled it a little bit better and they would have penalized everyone that used it correctly, I would have been less mad about it, but since they only seem to care about one or I think one in uh, the 3. I think Austin Dillon got one too, but for yeah. them only to penalize like two people for it. That's where I that's where I draw the line.
0: Yeah, I think I have to go joke with how NASCAR handled it because I I do think like you mentioned with the Monza runoffs, it's kind of on the series for creating an access road that's faster than the actual racing surface. Um, I know that F one when they go to Russia, they have a super tight runoff area in Turn One, and you know people have actually crashed trying to go through that runoff area, but obviously Alonzo last year, he practiced going through that at full speed so that, you know, if he was pushed onto the outside, he could just shoot through that runoff road and not lose any ground, which of course he did. So kudos to him. And I think that I really don't blame Ross for trying it. Uh, It's just like you said, he's got nothing to lose. You know, there's nothing in the rule book really that said that he had to come to a full stop. So he didn't come out in the lead either. He came out in second in that corner and he didn't take the lead until two corners later. I feel like that's the part that gets lost on people is that he didn't take the lead from that access road. He just got around the carnage. He came out in second. And I think that that's sort of what, what needs to be looked at is that by rule, he didn't necessarily gain too much from it. I think that, NASCAR kind of just saw the optics of it and was like, oh, my God, he cut the corner, you know. So it's just a little bit um, a little bit confusing for me. I think that they need to be a little more consistent with chicane rules and access roads. I know that at the Roval, they make you come to a full stop. But I mean, I wish they would just come up with a rule where it's like however many spots you gained, you just let them by and you keep racing. If it's just you and yeah, one other car, I would you agree. Know, Yeah, legal overtake. One will tell you, like, give back the position, and then you can race.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It's just—it's crazy to think about because um, it—it's always an officiating controversy with NASCAR. It—it just seems like they always shoot themselves in the foot. Like, there's never something simple with NASCAR.
1: No, I mean it's insane how, like the the thing that comes to me is I do not understand who is up in the NASCAR officiating booth and what they are doing. F- first off, the thing that comes to my mind is I'm at the Daytona truck race. If they get back and take the white flag, the next flag ends it, there is a wreck like 200 feet from the start-finish line, and they managed to get a, a yellow thrown Crazy, immaculate caution. Then you get to, I forget where this was. Was this Las Vegas? Something like that. In the truck race, somebody was mm-hmm. there was a truck stranded on the back stretch up against the wall for like two laps. No, nothing happened. They didn't know. <laughs> so yeah. it's just the weird inconsistencies with every NASCAR just cannot have a consistent call for certain things. It's absurd. Sometimes a tire being loose on pit road is a caution. Sometimes a tire being loose on pit road isn't a caution. Sometimes it's a penalty. Sometimes it's not a penalty just it's insane i just it's just so weird to me
0: yeah i think i like about formula one one.
1: if it's a if it's a penalty it's always a penalty yeah
0: i feel like there's some things that have to be ball and strike calls just by nature of the sport you know like those caution calls at a super speedway on the last lap i understand that that's ball and strike you know if a car spins off to the apron and the pack is past them and keep it green or you know, or if 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 the leader gets spun in front of the whole field, then of course it's gonna be a caution. But like you said, not everything has to be a ball and strike. I mean, there are cut and dry rules that they're turning into ball and strikes just because they feel like it.
1: It's just weird. I feel like of my friends that I've that of like my Formula One friends, I've tried to get into NASCAR. That's a big thing mm-hmm. that they have had issues with the playoff system and the inconsistencies. Yeah, that's that. Those are big things, and I am done letting NASCAR just get away with it. You know, I yeah. have great friends that have have been getting interested in the sport, and then they've had to dip out because it's too much.
2: It's just yeah, weird. it's a shame. It's
1: just weird.
0: I mean, I've I've known a lot of NASCAR fans for most of my life that are a little bit into other motorsports, but you know, when I tell them, I'm like, man, these playoffs are really dumb. Like, they don't necessarily they're they don't necessarily like them, but they don't understand why I'm so critical of them. And I've told them, like, every karting track I go to or every person that I race against, out of all the people that I watch motorsports with or I race with, they will all say, okay, yeah, I watch F1 or, yeah, I watch IndyCar. Yeah, I watch IMSA. But there's only a couple of them that watch NASCAR, and I'm one of those few. And It feels like all of the things that you named are reasons why they don't take it legitimately. Like, they're like, well, I don't want to watch – with the playoffs or whatever, or I don't want to watch with stage racing or whatever their gripe may be. It seems like they don't it's hard for them to latch on to it because they're not like other motorsports, you know? They're not
1: I, I would agree. You know, I've I've been a very vocal proponent of especially the playoffs. If there's anything that I would have changed is the playoffs. I had the I made old PK Jared I forced him to listen to me ramble about formula one the other night. (laughs) And uh, that was one of the things I showed him was the Abu Dhabi finish last year. And why that was so important, how you have a season long playoff format and they come into the last race tied on points. Yeah. Of course, what happened happened. Yeah. It's a big (laughs) deal. NASCAR is trying to manufacture that and they do that every year. And it never works as beautifully as that did because that was naturally done.
0: Right, it's not special. I mean, I grew up watching. No, I'll be honest. I mean, the 10 race chase, as much as I don't like points resets, I would much rather have one 10 race chase than I would have like eliminations or rounds or whatever. Because I watched 2011 yeah. with the 10 race chase, and you had Stewart and Edwards not really going to the finale time but they left the finale tied. And I feel like that felt like I was watching something historic, you know, like it was supposed to be a once yeah. in a lifetime deal. And now, if it, if every year is designed to be twenty eleven or nineteen ninety two or whatever, it's not special anymore. Like there's no luster to it. It doesn't feel like a. Do you know why nineteen
1: ninety two was special? Is because that yeah. was rare. That never happens. That yeah. did it on its own. That wasn't yeah. something, you know, that built. was right. built to be that way. That's just how it was, and that's what made it so special.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've always had a tough time. Trying to argue with some of my NASCAR-only friends about why I don't like him. and I, I've always sort of reverted back to that argument of it's no longer special if you know it's going to happen. If that makes sense,
1: yeah, it just doesn't. Here's my, I,
0: I've, yeah.
1: Here's my kind of I've thought. So oh, first <laughs> thought is is just destroying the playoffs entirely. Two, if you want to do something that kind of has some drama to it, my thought was why don't you, after two or three races of when you consider to be like the countdown or whatever, you put the special banners and colors on the drivers that are mathematically eligible to win the championship. So Mm -hmm. if you are like, if there's, let's say we have 16 drivers, after four or five races, you'll start to notice that some of the guys in the back are probably now eliminated from championship threat. So they lose their banners, whatever. But what's cool is if they win a race, they get a good points day, that banner can come back. Yada, yada, yada. So you get down to the end and maybe you've got three or four guys with five races left that they're the only ones with banners left. They're the only people mathematically eligible to still win the championship. And that's how you can tell exactly where they're at. And that takes all the stupid gimmicks out of it because it's just a visualizing of the points format. Two, my other thing is if you're married to the playoff format, at least have it be consistent. So if we're going to have the round of 16 as 3 races, the round of 12 is 3 races, and the round of 8 is 3 races, the championship 4 should be 3 races also. That's I mean that's how I feel about it personally. I do not know or coincidentally if this is the round of 8 and you win a race in the round of 8, you're locked into the championship 4. And if you win two races in the round of 8, that takes away a championship spot. So there's only 3.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Interesting um, idea. I I feel like I didn't appreciate the 10 race chase while we still had it, you know. I feel like as much as the points reset bothers me, just having one of them is fine because it seems like usually in the course of those 10 races, a lot of the guys who were good in the first 26 races usually still end up good at the end of the 10 race chase i mean there's obviously glaring exceptions but it seems like that for the most part was more captivating to me because i didn't know what was going to happen you know i could watch these 10 races and every one of them mattered it's like well what if this guy's if it's race three of the chase and the guy second in points has a bad day or whatever i enjoy watching the the whole drama of how it played out and whether or not you're knowing, is this the end of this guy's championship hopes? And now it's like, you already know what's going to happen. It's like, okay, well there's going to be four guys that are going to go and have a winner take all. And it's like, it it loses that luster for me because it just, it makes moments that are supposed to be special and unpredictable. It just makes them normal. And I've kind of become complacent to the point where as much as I love NASCAR and I'll always watch it, I just don't, I don't put emphasis on the championship anymore. Like, you know, sometimes if my driver makes the final four, if they win or not, I don't really care. Like,
1: yeah, that's true. I think people are starting to count championship four appearances more than championships. Yeah, um, I think that's a fair point. What was, what was, what, I just had, I just had a thought. Where did that go? I don't you hate when that happens when you have a great thought and then you wait two yeah. seconds and it just disappears out of your head? But I liked where you were um, headed
0: with that championship four appearance thing because I think that. I would weigh a lot on that because, you know, there's not many guys who can make the final four year in and year out. It seems like there's only a few guys that have had chances to do that. And it seemed like, you know, there's three or four guys over the last you know seven or eight years that have been able to do it almost every year. And I feel like those guys, to me, I would rather say that I was in the final four, five times and never won over being in there one time and winning it. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. My dad had a good point. I'd like to hear your opinion on this and Colton in the comments is my dad thought that if the championship four is going to be what it is, whoever wins the regular season points should have an instant lock in the championship four. What do we think about that? That's interesting. If you win the regular season points championship, you deserve to be, or maybe at least a guaranteed round of eight. I don't know. I think, yeah, that's Just, pretty fair
2: to me.
0: Yeah. Like, I wouldn't, I don't know where I would go with this because I feel like it's it's hard to advocate fairness in a system that doesn't encourage fairness. So I feel like that is very NASCAR true. probably thrives over the idea of, you know, a guy who was like 25th in points all year winning the title. Like, they probably thrive on that idea. They want it to happen.
1: They thrive on giving championships to people that don't deserve it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's absurd I'm, to me crazy right you can i mean matt crafton won a championship without ever winning a race last year truex had it and the only reason kyle larson won is because he had a good pit stop imagine having one of the most dominant nascar seasons ever and nascar puts you in a situation where you have to have a good pit stop to win the championship
0: yeah i mean i think it's it's, it's absurd yeah and like um like I've said earlier I'm a Hamlin fan and I will be completely honest with you if he won the title in 2014 which he very nearly did if it wasn't for a bad pit call that would probably be like I would not really feel good about that like I it wouldn't yeah. feel right to me because he was pretty mediocre all season and just snuck into the final four and it could happen this year too I mean he's sitting 20th in points with you know lord knows how many DNFs if he wins the title this year, it's not really gonna be super special to me, even as a Hamlin fan, because it seems like it's just like he kind of just got there on attrition, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's it's it's weird to me. The uh another another why is this happening? I'm having all my good thoughts leave my head. Oh, the biggest thing that I dislike, and this is my point in the championships, is just how little it matters and how much luck can play into a championship. I like it when a driver has a dominant season and they lock that championship with three or four races left because yeah. it's safe. They're not going to get screwed out of it. If you, if you are dominant enough to win a championship with four races left in the season, you're not going to tell me you didn't deserve it. There ain't no way you're going to convince me they did not deserve that championship. Now, if you would have locked up the championship, what what year was it? Was it last year where Larson would have had the the championship wrapped up whenever, or the year before when Kevin Harvick would have had it wrapped up like when, within the round of eight, he would have won the yeah. championship and no wouldn't have been able to catch him. What what is that? Like that is such an insane concept it's, to me. It's now, my problem my with thing, NASCAR
0: things. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead.
1: Is If 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 I was in NASCAR, let's say me and you, me and you are racing in NASCAR. It's it's just me versus you, and I win 35 of the 36 races, I am crazy. I've won 35 straight races, and you're the other driver in the championship four, and I finish second in the last race, and you finish first, you win the championship. I could win thirty-five races and DNF the last one and not win the championship.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's mad to me. Is that just not absurd?
1: Am I the only one that thinks it's it's absurd?
0: It is absurd. I think that, like many drivers have said, if you put a whole season down to one race, it's a It's almost inherently luck-based in terms of your whole season being pinned off of one race. I mean, like you said, you could be leading that race, running away with it, and you have a tire go down, or you have an engine failure, or anything like that. It just doesn't seem fair to me because i think nascar in their fan base has lost what a championship should mean i think what nascar's in their tv mind has had in their brains this whole time they thought that you know championship needs to be entertaining but i've always thought that i think the racing product is supposed to be the entertainment and then if you're lucky the championship may also be entertaining it's not supposed to be entertaining every single year but when it is entertaining it's super special to watch
1: yeah. My analogy with this, and I don't know if this will make sense to anybody, but it almost reminds me of imagine the NBA finals. Imagine this is the NBA finals. OK, so you go through you go through the bracket and, you know, the the best team in the NBA history, the Milwaukee Bucks, not biased, are, you know, just just dominating or whatever. So we make it to the finals and it's what's your favorite? Do You have a favorite basketball team?
0: Uh, not really, no. Kind of a casual. Okay. Thing. I don't really <laughs> okay, so we'll just,
1: needs. for instance, we'll just say the Golden State Warriors. So it's okay. it's it's me versus y'all. And let's say you guys are up by like an a, a absurd amount. You guys are up like 40 points. We can't do nothing. We're struggling. Yeah. You guys are dominating. And imagine it gets to the fourth quarter, and as soon as the fourth quarter ticks over, the points just go back. They reset to zero. All right, all that all that lead, all that advantage that you've built up is just now gone. Sorry, <laughs> it's whatever. It's like it's it's like a football game where the only touchdowns that matter are the ones in the fourth quarter. You set the yeah, rate, you like you like set, you set the score overtime, back to yeah. zero. Yeah,
0: you're like, okay, well, here's mandatory overtime. Like it doesn't matter yeah, if you're not tied up. exactly. It's mandatory overtime.
1: Mandatory overtime. First score wins, and it's being like forty-four nothing. And we get a lucky pick six and run it back, and then we win the championship off that. Like, it's just, it's just so backwards. It is so backwards.
0: Yeah, and I feel like we've we've ranted about this long enough to where everyone on the podcast knows where we stand. We all like we've joked about this before last year that all of our podcasts, no matter who's on them, turn into a playoff rant, and we've just continued that tradition.
1: I hate it. I cannot stand it.
0: Yeah, I mean, like we said, we've we'll rant about that some more probably in the future, but for now, um, back to the Indy Road course circus. Um, I want you to get your thoughts again on the circus that was the last couple of restarts. It seemed like there was just, I mean, there were cars spinning left and right, and the only reason they stopped is because they had to throw a caution for Austin Dillon being completely beached in the gravel. So, I, I want to know, like, What, where do you stand in terms of how these guys drive on a late restart?
1: Terrible. That was some of the most boneheaded driving I have ever seen in my life. Like I said, you to race on a race course like that, you have to drive with some kind of respect and common decency towards the people around you. And they just flat out refuse to do that. If I dive, if I dive bomb four people and all of them wreck, but I get four positions, then that's good. And I I think that's the NASCAR way of take, 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 give nothing. You know, how many times have we seen it in, you know, formula, whatever, where you're in a bad spot on a corner, so you give that corner away because you're going to set yourself up for the next straightaway or whatever. They just do not understand that concept. And if you look through all the incidents, most of the people that were involved were people that we do not consider road course ringers. These were mid pack guys, bottom pack guys that I just don't think are good at driving road courses. So I, I do not, I do not know. I thought it was embarrassing and I, it's a, it's a big problem. I think that people are just like, well, his track sucks. It's like, no, his track is pretty good. May. Could it be better for stock cars? Yes. That first turn does not lend itself to stock cars, but you're, putting it too much of the blame on the track and not enough blame on bozo going six wide trying to make it fit into a one wide corner i i mean you can agree, disagree with me all you want that is going to be my stance
0: yeah i mean i i think i'd have to agree with you on that part i i think that it's not a terrible track yes it can be better but there has to be better ways to to race on a late race restart i feel like i think um somebody on dbc said this and they said respect doesn't pay playoff points And and Facts. as sad as that is yep. they're they're right and I, I don't necessarily like it but they are right in the sense that everything that nascar is doing right now they want that to happen and it's they're yeah. they're sacrificing the actual racing product for for the good of quote-unquote entertainment or just demolition derbies and don't get me wrong I don't mind demolition derbies a few times a year when they're when they're organic, you know, like Daytona or Talladega. Mm -hmm. That's an organic demolition derby. Like you don't know what's going to happen, but it's just like, there's good tracks that don't need to be like this. And they always end up being like this, especially the road courses because whenever there's a late caution, you know, whatever's happening gets completely erased and it just, it turns into a mess. And there's a point where, entertainment needs to take a backseat to the racing product. And I, I think that they're they're having an identity crisis of where, you know, do we want the purists to have fun or do we want people to just enjoy the the chaos going on?
1: Well, here's the thing, is you can make both of those people happy at the same time. Yeah. You can make the purists and the people that are in it for a good show happy at the same time. Purists like good racing, and good racing is naturally entertaining to people that are casuals. That's just the yeah. the nature of it. So, really, I have I have two points with this. One, I think that somehow NASCAR playoffs are to blame for this. Like you said, driving with respect does not equal playoff points. Oh, excuse me, I keep yeah, burning. And yeah, uh, awesome. Go people, right now, the only way that somebody is going to get in is winning. You have to win a race. So that is going to you know, kind of put the dog in the corner. You're going to start getting desperate and you're going to start reaching for things that normally you wouldn't have to. A big example of this that I use of playing it smart is the last lap of the Indy 500. You've got Marcus Erickson, you know, oh, bless yeah. up, Indy 500 champion. And then you've got Pato P2. Pato comes in to turn one with a big run, but he's slightly too far up the track. Now he could have held it flat out and he probably would have went up and hit the wall but he is a very for his age especially Pato is a yeah. incredibly mature driver him and Alex Plo are the same they are yeah. extraordinarily smart and they know how to play the game so instead of holding it in there and just saying heck it we'll see what happens Pato backs out that costs him the yeah. race He he that loses so much momentum but he backs out yeah. so he does not bend that car he takes P2 it's a double I mean, that race, is I like that is racing with respect. Out. Absolutely, that made that move made me an incredible Pato fan. I thought that was a yeah, big-brained. I,
0: I, I, as much as I try to be respectful, if it's last lap in the Indy 500 and I'm on the outside, side by side, I don't even think I'd have done that. Like, I don't think, like, I don't think I've had the willpower to back out. Like, I would have just no. stayed in it and see what happened. Yep. Like, I don't think
1: your your brain
0: as I try to be adrenaline. respectful... Yeah, I'm like, this yeah. is my only chance. I have to do it because if I lift, then I don't get the momentum to try again.
1: Yeah. And that is a, that's like crazy. I said, that is an incredibly mature move because your brain would be, in the, your brain and your adrenaline would be going so big, like Indy 500, ND, Indy 500. And you, that's all you're going to think about that you wouldn't have the space yeah. mind to be like, whoa, if I stick on this line, I'm going to DNF the car. Yeah. I and think I thought that was, that was an incredible move from him. So yeah,
0: I think what played into it is that I heard that if he finishes fourth, then he has the FIA super license. So I, I think he knew that if he DNF that race, a double points race, less, that would have really hurt his chances at having an FIA super
1: license. Oh, without a doubt, because you know uh, what's up, Coop Daddy. Um, he knows that, and I mean, you got to do what's best for you. Indy 500 win mm-hmm. would be cool. But is it worth DNFing your car when you can take a P two with a double points finish? I don't think so, personally.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. So. It's a tough balance, and I think that that's the fun part with NASCAR. Obviously, as we got into it, and, and speaking of the balance of playoffs and respect, um, we've got two spots still up for grabs in the playoffs because the guys that are second in points in Ryan Blaney and fourth in points in Martin Truex Jr. both don't have wins. So if two random people in the top 30 can win, that means two of the top five drivers in the point standings would miss the playoffs. So I want to get some of your thoughts as to what's going to happen over these four races that lead up to the playoffs.
1: I just think it shows how broken the system is, that Ryan Blaney can be sitting P2 in regular season points He's only 125 points behind Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott's been on a a, a tear, dude. Holy crap. Oh, but yeah, he's only 125 absolutely. points behind him in the regular season standings, and he might miss the playoffs because he hasn't won a race. What world I'll is that okay?
0: Honest. As a Hamlin fan right now, I'm actually rooting for him to break the system just to, ex- just to highlight how broken it is because he's sitting 22 points. And let's just say he goes out and he wins Darlington. Then let's just say he DNFs the next two round of 16 races. And then he go to the round of 12. He wins Texas. He DNFs the next round of 12 races. And then once he gets to the round of eight, he wins at Homestead or Vegas. And then he DNFs the other two round of eight races. And then he goes to Phoenix. He runs fourth the entire day. And then he gets a green-white checker. He has fresh tires. He wins the title. So he could basically have four wins in the playoffs and six DNFs and be like 20th in points all season long. And he could pretty yeah. much hack his way to a title. So I'm kind of I mean, interested you could, to see if that can happen. Theoretically.
1: Yeah. Theoretically you could win the Daytona 500 DNF the rest of the regular season and make it. I mean. Yeah. As long as you could Win can the stay Daytona the 500. Three. Yeah. Yep. I mean, but, it's, it's such a stupid system just in general. Yeah. But. Uh, you know they, what I would enjoy? I don't know. It's just so conflicting.
0: You know what I would really enjoy? I would enjoy yeah. seeing somebody like, let's just say Truex, there's two new winners and Truex and Blaney get bumped out of the playoffs. And then they both win five races each in the playoffs. Like, how do you think that would go yep. over? Like, if they win all 10 I think races.
1: that would be just egg on their face that that would just be a massive egg on nascar's face even though they tend to do that themselves a lot of times uh nascar's biggest enemy is nascar true story um yeah but how many times have we seen in other motorsports where someone will get hot at the right time near the end of the season and they will claw their way back into the championship and win it in this format let's say i don't know let's say Kevin Harvick gets eliminated from the playoffs and then he has, yeah, then he, goes crazy, he has four or five right? wins. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, sorry, too bad. You're not in the playoffs because of a, an arbitrary number that we made up. You don't get to win the championship, even though you would now be leading the champ. It's just weird to me, man.
0: I, I've always been interested in that because I feel like eventually that will happen to the point where somebody that misses the playoffs ends up going on absolute tear. Just because they didn't win a race. I, I mean, know. I understand people like to bring up Tony Supers 2006 as a rebuttal to my argument. But the difference with that is a win would not lock Tony in on the championship based on points. He had to go out there and be in the top 10 at points to make the chase. And he didn't do that. So I understand him missing the chase because he didn't do well enough in consistency all season to get there. But Imagine if he was second in points like Blaney is, but he gets kicked out because he didn't win. That's completely different.
1: It's just absurd. It's just absurd. Yeah,
0: so in terms of um, Harvick and Truex, um, there's, if we don't have any new winners, that's the battle for points on the last two spots. Um, one of those guys is in, one of those guys is out. Do you think that even if he's down 97 or however many points he's down after last week, do you think Harvick could theoretically claw his way back to pass Truex in points in a span of four races, 97-point swing? Like, Do you think that's possible?
1: Honestly, no. I don't think – I mean, of course anything can happen. I mean, he could go on a tear. Truex could have some DNFs. That is fine. Um, But here's – speaking about Harvick, I uh, picked him on RSO Picks one time, and let me Mm -hmm. find this. So this was the stats about New Hampshire. This is what what comes up to me, is going into New Hampshire, Kevin Harvick was still in a pretty sizable hole. Let's see if I can find the exact numbers, because I really do not want to goof this up. One moment. If NASCAR just didn't post six million photos every two days, that would be really cool. Let's see. Uh, I don't see it. Okay, I'll just uh, try my best to sum it up since it is apparently not on the NASCAR Instagram. So, Kevin Harvick went in to the race like what, like seventy-six points back or something like that. that he goes weird. in. Yeah. He has a he has a great day. Finishes top five and is now ninety-six points back. Like he, like it's yeah. out of his control at that point. Imagine, like it, just any sort of sport being out of your control, whether or not you win. The first, the really only thing I think about this that comes to mind is like uh, EPL soccer, English Premier League, where you know it's season long points. So for me to win the championship, if I am behind you by three points, whoever I played it, that's. It that's the only thing I kind of think of when I think that, but no, he ran a perfect race and ended up worse than he started because Christopher Bell won.
0: Yeah. I think you're you're right in that sense. I mean, as much as I think he could get it, if he does well, I just, he's so far back to where his destiny is no longer in his hands unless he wins. Like he literally has to win a race. There is no, there's no other option for him at this point. So uh, it is pretty sad because okay. I've, okay. I've always respected Harvick, so I, I feel like him missing the playoffs for the first time in forever, that's going to be pretty sad. But it's, I mean, the, he's, real, real he's backs against the wall at this point.
1: Yeah. So let's let's play a fun game, me and okay. you right now. It's called, can this driver win a race? <laughs> can yeah. this driver that is out of the playoffs, do you see this driver being able to win a race? Okay, so I'm going to go currently 17th. We have Kevin Harvick. Can you foresee Kevin Harvick winning a race?
0: Oh, this is really hard. I I think that as of right now, their average running pace, it's not enough for me to say that they're going to win a race. This is just on skill. I mean, I'm not factoring in luck or all that crazy stuff. I'm just saying on pure pace. I think that they did show some speed at Pocono, but I, I don't think that they're in a position to where, they're not going to beat the Toyotas on a big track. They're not going to beat the two of the 400 cars on a big track, and they're probably not going to beat at least one of the track house cars. So, I mean, yeah.
1: it's looking pretty unlikely for Harvick. Okay, so let's just let's make it easy, and let's just say let's look at drivers. or whatever. Go. Can you see this driver being able to win a race? Yeah, so you actually
0: Harvick- beat us too because on our outline we had a quote that said new winners who and who do you think can open up playoff spots by winning?
1: Do you want me to stop? We can come back to this. Or do you want no, to? No, no, go up? ahead.
0: Because we were we were going to get into that and who we thought could win races and get into the playoffs and kind of be that wild card guy. So I think you're kind of beating us to the punch. I think we should definitely keep going along this line with some more drivers. All right.
1: Next, next on the list, Eric Amarola ran super good at Talladega and Daytona, is a Super Speedway winner. Won it, you know, last year did win at New Hampshire. Do you foresee? Just let's not talk about like cars or whatever. Let's just talk about the driver. Just Eric Amarola. He's done it before. Can he win the race? Can he win a race? Okay, forty-three of Eric Jones.
0: Yeah, Daytona, yes. Anywhere else, probably not. Okay, forty-three of Eric
1: Jones was leading at the white lap at the white flag at Talladega.
0: He's another one. Yeah, he he could win Daytona too, and I wouldn't even count him out for the other three races because. He did have a good car at Pocono. I mean, he was running along with the 11 and the 18 for a good chunk of that middle portion of the race, and they finished 1-2. So I think he could he, he could go out there and snag Michigan if they nail it and they have some sort of miraculous upset. But like you said, Daytona's probably the one like, real chance for him.
1: Yep. Uh, Bubba Wallace, Talladega winner, second Daytona 500.
0: I honestly... There was one guy that I had pegged as my playoff, like my ultimate grid spoiler. It was him because I think he's shown the last couple of weeks. It's not just super speedways anymore. I mean, he's good on mile and a halfs. He was good at Loudon. He was, I mean, he even stole a top five on a road course. So I think, of course, he's going to be a real threat at Daytona. But even if he doesn't make the playoffs, I could see him running top five in playoff races as a non-playoff car because he was super good at the mile and a halfs earlier this season. And I think that he'll probably have some speed this week in Michigan too. So I, I definitely have high hopes for him. If there's anybody that I can see getting a win that's below the cut line, like he would be where I place my bet.
1: Yeah. Uh, the three of Austin Dillon, Daytona 500 champion.
0: At this point, I'm probably, I'm just going to go, he's Daytona only. Like I don't have hope for him anywhere else.
1: Okay. Yeah. Just, you don't have to have super strong answers to this. This is just quick. Yeah. Uh, Justin Haley has won at Daytona before and uh, I, mean, I think won yeah, four or five one. super speedways, yeah. super speedways in Xfinity. So he can, he can, he can yeah, super speedway.
0: The chances than anybody is with an upset.
1: Chris Buescher finished P2 at Sonoma. Oh, yeah. Shown, I mean, he's got, he's has shown left. speed.
0: Yeah. I mean, he like, he caught on fire at Indy and he still came back for like a top 10. So, Yep, I
1: mean, he, I could, he
0: could definitely win a road course. And he's good at Daytona, too. I mean, he's always seemed yep. to be in the mix for Daytona races.
1: People seem to forget that he won his dual race early this year. Yeah, I know because Logano obviously kind um, of just blocked himself and gave Busher <laughs> <yeah>. a win. <laughs> uh, he's in house winning a super speedway. Because I sure as heck can't.
0: Yeah, I can see it. He was up front in the 500 late in the race, and he was first on the outside line, which was like fourth or fifth at the time, and he got spun head on in the wall. So if nothing happens, absolutely.
1: Uh, Cole Custer is probably the first guy I'm like, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's an okay road racer, but I don't see him running well enough at the Glen to just to actually win a race on merit. I mean, even with Daytona, mm-hmm. I don't really see that either. So uh,
1: Michael McDowell. He can absolutely go out there
0: and win Daytona. He can even win a road course too. He can win the Glen.
1: Okay. Uh Harrison Burton.
0: Nah, probably not. He's gonna need an extraordinary amount of
1: yeah. I feel the same way. Todd Gilland.
0: Again, I mean, I like Todd Gillen, but he's in that same boat as Burton. With he needs tons of luck.
1: Yep. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna f- fire out this next one, and I'm sure that if Joe is still in the chat, Joe Retro will have something to say about this. There is no way you're gonna not agree with me that there that Brad Keselowski can 100% win a race. Brad Keselowski could 100% win a race. Like, like, I, be I mean, I'm, I'm not like a Brad super potential. fan, Yeah, but there is a reason that Brad Keselowski is Brad Keselowski. There is, you can never rule out Brad. Just facts. That's just how, that's just how it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Ty Dillon. I, like I, I,
0: I, I don't really see don't it, I think Ty he Dillard. can easily yeah. do it. Because he was, I think yeah. he was really good in the 500, but he just kind of lost track position toward the end, and that really, really cost him, so... I I think if he can stay up front for the whole race, then he's probably going to be a man on a mission.
1: Yeah. I mean, if he's got a win to get in, we know that Brad can be aggressive and he can get in there and make stuff happen. So never count out Brad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And here's a fun one. Uh, We were going to get to this one out of the guys that are in the playoffs, but aren't in on wins. Do you think Blaney or Truex are more likely
1: to win? I'm going to take Blaney personally. He's, He's had such a good year. I Mm -hmm. I I just feel like I could see him at least with Truex. I just don't think he's been as close to wins. Like he's been consistently up there, but he hasn't been like on the verge of winning one, like like Ryan Blaney has. I would not be surprised. Yeah, Drew brings up a great point that Truex at Richmond that could be a that could be he is yeah that's that's what I was
0: thinking for sure because he was leading the race or he was either second or he was he wasn't leading behind Byron he was second before the tire strategy they were on just didn't work out. And I I think that there, he was good at Loudon too. Things didn't work out. I don't think he had the outright fastest car, but he still led a ton of laps there. And I I think he's always run in the top 10. It's just a matter of if he can start having that serious speed to where he can just go out there and controls on destiny, then I I could see it happening at Richmond. I, I think Michigan, I don't even think that's out of the question for him because the Toyotas have been, they have been lights out on the big tracks. Anything over one and a half miles, it just seems like Toyota has the best stuff.
1: I agree with that. I would have to agree with that. But yeah, if I would have to take any kind of bets like on who I think would be in, personally, I think that we could see Brad pull some magic at Daytona. Or I would... I've picked... Jones to win this weekend, so I would like to see him get okay. in because he's had a great car. He's had a great year. Yeah. Um, but if he I has. had to, if I had to take any guesses, I would say it either be, if I was putting money on it, I would be betting on Bubba, Eric, or Brad. Personally,
0: yeah. If I had to pick, then my favorite cars that are outside the cut line, I would probably start with Bubba, and then I think Eric Jones, like you said, and I think this is a crazy one, but. I have no choice but to do something wild here, and I'm going to say Corey LaJoy has as good a shot at anybody at Daytona because he was up front yeah. in both the Atlanta races. He was up front in the Code 400 last year on the last lap, but he got shuffled out. So I think that's that's another one that could be crazy. I don't even know if he's top 30 in points, but he could he could definitely go out and win a super superspeedway
1: oh yeah definitely i mean look at like i mean look at him in atlanta he had that race one pretty much so yeah of course things changed in the last lap and that's the crazy thing about super speedways is if you can manage to part the waters if there's a big oopsie on the last lap you can win so yeah drew drew says
0: yeah he said it best but anyways now that we've gotten through that um we wanna get into the Kurt Busch story because it just came out today that Kurt Bush is still not cleared to race. So how how soon do you think he's gonna come back, if at all? Like do you think that he could theoretically fall out of the playoffs entirely if he doesn't race? Like if he doesn't race by the time playoffs are. So do you think he could fall out?
1: Yes. And and that hurts me because I've never been a Kurt Bush fan until the last couple until at least this season, I have never been a Kurt guy, but he's really grown on me the last year or so, and uh, I've been I've been like actually rooting for Kurt. So this this kind of hurts, but I think NASCAR needs to look NASCAR, I, I'm sure they are, but they have got to look into why this hit has done this much damage to Kurt. Yeah, yes. I mean that yeah. concussion must be very severe. I think, and you can probably back me up on this is I think it shows a lot about safety. And as much as we hate it, I kind of enjoy when cars can crumple to take a hit instead of just mm-hmm. you know, just hitting and being like, well, well, the car can still race. But then that comes at the expense of your driver. So yeah. Kurt backs it into the wall at Pocono. That's a 25G hit, I'm fairly certain, 25Gs. Max Verstappen's hit at Silverstone last year was 52Gs. And he was fine. Of course, different situation. He hit tires, mm-hmm. that's different. His car crumples. Kurt's doesn't. You know, it just it just radiates through Kurt's car. But it was sad they gotta look into this. But if if he doesn't come back this season, I mean what an absolute blow for Kurt. That would be devastating yeah. for him. That would I'd hurt be sad because- for it.
0: Yeah, that would probably be the end of his career if he doesn't come back.
1: Yeah. I I would have to agree. It might be Tyler Reddick next year. If they can buy yeah, him. Yeah, they can buy him out of the contract,
0: then for sure.
1: Or as much as, as much as I hate to say it, I mean, maybe they bring Ty Gibbs up for a year if they can't get Reddick out of that contract. Uh-huh. And then maybe the next year I, I just I just don't know. The whole situation, because all of this kind of has to do with Kyle Busch and that situation too, just Toyota in general. Toyota needs about three more cars than they have. Um, but, like, I really want Ty to go to the 18, but I don't want Kyle Busch is my favorite driver, so I don't want Kyle to leave the 18. I'm in this weird spot where what I want is exactly what I don't want at the same time. Um, but, yeah, with with the Kurt situation, it, I just I'm just devastated for the dude. I'm devastated for 2311. I'm happy for Ty Gibbs yeah. that he gets, you know, good, you know, seat time run and whatever. Time, yeah. But it's just it's just it's just quite insane.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it's sad and it sucks to see it because this is a guy that he's run so many races and would have ran them all consecutively if it wasn't for the whole legal issues that he went through in 2015, and yeah, it's it's unfortunate to watch, because it seems like these issues, I mean, you you remember with Dale Jr., ever since he kind of opened everybody up to how bad concussions can be, I've sort of had that thought in the back of my mind every time someone gets one now, because you think about it, and it's like, well, I don't want that to happen to Kurt, or, you know, there's deaths out there that, like, I know Leroy Yarbrough was a big one. I know that People have even connected, you know, Eric McClure and John West Towney's deaths to to their head injuries. And I think that as sad as it is, it's good that he's you know, he's just accepting the protocol. He's not really trying to fight it because, you know, these head injuries, that that's the scary part about him. You don't know what their effects are gonna be long term. And I think the last thing that you would want is to have him messed up for life.
1: Oh yeah, one hundred I mean one hundred percent. That would be that'd be such a such a blow for him Um, yeah it's i mean it's hard to talk about like i i just words don't easily come to mind for like what i should say in this situation you know what the Mm -hmm. correct line of thinking for this is you know it's like if i if i'm like yeah i hope kurt takes you know time away and he heals but like i also have to think like is that the ty gibbs fan in me being like oh i love ty getting seat time because then that's messed up too so it's right, it's just kind of a difficult situation to talk about, really.
0: Yeah, I mean I it's sad because I, I wanna see him come back and I wanna see Kurt get a true send off, but I don't want it to come at the expense of his long term health. I don't want I don't want him to have head injuries that just alter the rest of his life because it's happened to so many yeah. guys and there aren't as many in racing, but yes, it does happen in other sports. So I, I think that we don't I don't need that to happen to him. Um, I would rather have him, if this is how it ends and it saves his life, then I'll take it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's the silver lining is I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at this. Whatever is the best outcome for Kurt is what I want to happen. Whatever Kurt wants, whatever Kurt feels is right. Whatever him and his family feels right. No, no matter what, I want Kurt to have the decision on this and do what's best for him.
0: Yeah, I think if he wants to come back, I am happy with him coming back. But if he doesn't want to come back, then I, I completely respect that. As much as I'll miss him, I still respect that decision. Yeah. I think I think you got to respect guys' decisions to hang it up on their own terms. I mean, I was sad when, say, Nico Rosberg left F1, but I, I respected it at the same time because that was yeah. what he wanted to do. He did what was best for himself.
1: Yeah, and it's even it's even harder when something like that happens at like the prime of your career or whatever. Yeah, you know, like he's doing great I mean, the at the, the
0: or whatever.
1: Yeah the the two that come to mind to me, being a football fan, is Andrew Luck and Luke Kuechly, two guys oh, yeah. that struggled with injuries season. and brain injuries that mm-hmm. in the pr- two of the best players in the league yeah. retired early because of health concerns. Yeah, I mean, and I that's never going to make it any easier, but no, you know, that's what comes to mind of you have to prioritize yourself, man, get in there, make mm-hmm. all the money you can and get out before you're, before you're messed up, provide for your family yeah. and get out.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's sad, but at some point it has to be done, especially, you know, Kurt Bush is, he's older, he's settling down. I mean, I don't think that at this point in his life, he's not going to find it worth, um, worth risking his livelihood or his long-term health just to, to run 10 more races or whatever.
1: No, I, I wouldn't do that. No, I would, I mean, there I are would do that that. Would,
0: but he's definitely not one of them.
1: Yeah. And I would, I would feel like, I mean, uh, end of the story is it's his choice. If he chooses to do that, yeah. I don't think, I, I mean, who's going to stop him, but, right. It wouldn't be easy if he does decide to come back. If something happens, and they're like, "Hey, we don't think you should race again," at least let him go out and start in Park Phoenix. At, at minimum, that's all I'm asking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I just hate that as soon as I grow to grow to like him, this happens. So yeah,
0: I think I think one thing that Hamlin said really stuck out to me is that. If Kurt wants a desk job at 2311, he's going to have a desk job. If he wants to drive, he'll always have a car. So I think yeah. either way he decides to go, he's going to have some sort of role in NASCAR. He's going to have some sort of thing that continues his career regardless.
1: Yeah. Well, people people think, and I don't know how much of this I'm allowed to say because I don't know how much of this is public knowledge, mm-hmm. Um but Kurt's main job in twenty three eleven was not to go out and win. His main uh-huh. job has been to to mentor Bubba and help build that program. Yeah. Like um, their whole team. Needs I to have, yeah, I have friends in the executive offices of the Charlotte Hornets that are, of course, also mm-hmm. owned by Michael Jordan, and mm-hmm. they they say that is a big reason. And there was many conversations had where you know they thought that Bubba wasn't performing up to standard and they thought, well, he needs, he needs some, he needs some help. He needs some advice. He needs, you know, a veteran leader to get in there and help him. And I think that has paid yeah, off. It's working like
0: crazy. Because it is successful. He, yes. Right. I think the thing with Bubba that really stuck out to me is he always had raw ability, but he didn't seem to be able to maximize it. There were things that he needed to do better. And now that you have yeah. somebody that can kind of show him how to do that, He's starting to get what he should be. He's getting the results that he should be getting.
1: Yeah, I would. I would agree. I think that twenty three eleven is in a great spot right now, um, and I'm. I'm excited. I'm excited for what the the future holds. That is a absolutely true comment. Everywhere yeah. that Kurt has went, he has helped. Whether that is, I think you know, Stuart Haas. I think they were already. I mean, there there were Stuart Haas when he went there. But he won mm-hmm. quite a bit. I think the night race and the 500 come to mind. You've got yeah. him at Chip Ganassi. He was good to at least win you one race a year, at least. Yeah, one
0: that's, a year. that was good for Ganassi. Like that's not always normal. Yeah,
1: for him. I'm not a Ganassi guy in NASCAR, right. but right. I mean he's he's done real. he's done nothing but be a positive,
0: mm-hmm.
1: nothing but be a positive. Yeah,
0: he's always had the ability to drive a car. He always has, but I think now it's sort of he's always had the intelligence as well but he's just now he's developed a way to communicate effectively and not just have meltdowns about it like he used to so i think that his knowledge yeah. is actually being put to work it's not just being expressed
1: yo yeah that's i i agree with that 100% and uh yeah it makes me sad to know that he's in this situation right now but i could see him moving into an administrative role with 2311 i doubt it's going to be a quote unquote desk job And if it is a quote unquote desk job, he means like big desk job, like private office upstairs desk job. So yeah, I
0: think I could see him commentating too because he's done the truck races on Fox and does a really good job. He's good at it. He's pretty good at it. I would Um, like seeing him. Little fun fact.
1: Yeah, little fun fact about me is I'm also a race commentator, and uh, I think that Mm -hmm. a lot of the commentators that we have on in NASCAR races are pretty garbage. Um, No offense, but. You know, if you're looking, I don't know why they are continually trying to only have commentators that are drivers. I think it'd be nice if you went and got actual commentators that whose job is commentating. Um, Mm -hmm. But in the times that Kurt has done it, also, Austin Dillon has been pretty good at it, too. I thought Joey Logano has been really good at it. So there might be a future for those guys doing that. But yeah, I could definitely see him choosing to commentate because I think he and Joey Logano, especially, I think are better than a good section of nascar commentators currently.
0: Agree. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, there's a few that are really good, but I think he, those guys are probably toward the top even if they were compared to the current broadcasters or analysts or whatever. Yeah,
1: I would agree. I don't think anyone in nascar can hold a candle to David uh David Croft. <laughs> oh, Crofty. <laughs> that is uh that is the Formula 1 commentator, best commentator in the world in my opinion. But It's interesting. Anybody that can bring lively commentary to NASCAR about it, Mm -hmm. I'm about it, man.
0: Yeah, I think there's a great balance. The thing I love so much about some of the analysts, like Dale Jr., is that he's even though he's not like a color commentator, he's still really good at. He brings energy, but he still like he brings a lot of knowledge that he teaches because he's recent. He's driven the cars recently, so I think a lot of his information is relevant. You know, I think there comes a point where, you know, some of the drivers that were, say, 70 or 80 years old, as much as they know about NASCAR, their information is a little bit more dated. It's not to say that they don't know anything about it. It's just it's harder for them to be able to relate to what the current drivers or the current cars are experiencing because of that.
1: Yeah, I think that there is a big difference between the lead commentator, you know, your play by play guy and a like insightful guy. Dale Jr.'s cool at that because I mean he's he's Dale junior and he is he'd be good at talking. that's just that's just how he is. So I enjoy that, but I think we need about five more Mike Joyce than we have.
0: Yeah and I guess um now that we've kind of gone through our commentary um, soapbox, if you will, um, our last part of the day is about playoff points and what we want to go through is, some of these guys are sitting on some odd numbers of playoff points. Let's just start with Chase Elliott. He's on a roll. He's got 40 playoff points as they run, and everybody else doesn't have like no one else has more than 22. If you were to rack them up now, so what? What do you think about Elliott's hopes, and do you think he's just a shoe in at this point for the final four?
1: Uh, he's a he's a shoe in, I would think. But right. of course, none of that matters because it's not about no. how good you are; it's yeah. about how lucky you get. So right. I mean, forty playoff points is a lot. I mean, it means you're locking it's the playoffs. It don't. It don't yeah. matter. We saw Harvick twenty twenty. He had like six I mean, he had a lot. He had a lot. But right, yeah, it means nothing. I mean, I hate to be that guy again, but it, it means absolutely right. Nothing.
0: I, I think it helps for getting through the first couple rounds where that are just fluff if you're one of the favorites, but. You yeah, know, once you get to the round of eight, back. you're not gonna be able to just coast off of them. Nope. Like you gotta you gotta perform. Or get lucky too, because that's that's a big part of it. And,
1: and Chase Elliott will get that bonus for regular season points championship, I think. Yeah, that's even more. I think there's a bonus.
0: That's yeah. like fifteen points, I believe. And then the top ten yeah. each get a little bit. Yeah. So I'm interested to see um some of these guys, um, there's a lot of guys that are sitting on similar numbers of playoff points. So I feel like, you know, you've got Logano 16, Byron 15, Blaney 15. Larson and Truex would be at 14 apiece. Even though Truex doesn't have a win, he still had a lot of stage wins. And then, you know, does Blaney. Hamlin and Redick are on 12. I think Bell is on 11.
1: This is just Publish based off nine. of the
0: grid look today.
1: Briscoe has 8, Suarez yeah. has 7, Kurt has 7 and uh, Bowman has 6 Sendrick has yeah. 6
0: I think this year is going to be, personally it's going to be more like the year but the years of this format and before there were stages and playoff points to where it was just yeah. a complete crap shoot because nobody started with an advantage. I feel like yeah, there's so, the guys behind Elliott are so close on playoff points to where they're all going to be going into these rounds like dead even. So I think that I think it's very fair to say that at least one or two of the big favorites is going to be gone because they might have one bad race or two bad races in the round of 12 or whatever, and they're gone because they don't yeah. they don't have a buffer over everybody else because everyone has the same number of points.
1: Yeah. I am a Bowman and Bush fan. Those are my two guys in mm-hmm. the Cup Series. And it's kind of dawning on me that I could see both my guys get eliminated pretty early. Yeah, I mean, I'm Bowman second, second to last. Wins.
0: Like, I'm not looking very hopeful for Hamlin's playoffs right now. I feel like he could be out in the round of 16 for all I know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy, just crazy. If you look at previous years, I think some of the drivers kind of hinted at this in press conferences. They said that, you know, there were always three or four guys that hogged all the playoff points and they could kind of just coast through the rounds. You know, you look at yeah. 2020 where, even though Harvick didn't make it, he saw it a bunch. Hamlin and Harvick were kind of just the playoffs were a relatively easy road for them until they reached the round of eight because they they kind of hogged all the playoff points. And you look at um, let's just say 2018 as well. Like Harvick and Bush were kind of locks because they would just coast through the rounds because of playoff points. Or Truex was another one that was almost a shoe in on playoff points. And now, if you've got one guy that might be a shoe in and everybody else is just on even ground, it's it's gonna be crazy. I mean it's it's like it's gonna look a lot more like the years before playoff points.
1: Yeah, that's that's fair. I wish that just just for one year they'd be like, hey, you know what? We don't actually need the playoffs this season. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, mean, love, that would this has been. been so awesome. I would have loved to have seen if this was a fair fight. It's not a fair fight. I would love to see this as a fair fight. personally. Yeah. because I think most people would honestly. The points
0: but, battles are nuts.
1: Yeah. The, that will be interesting. Like, like Chad says, uh, the ends of the rounds will be very close. I think you're talking about a couple positions between each driver might make the difference between advancing and not advancing.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it's going to be crazy because all these guys are going to be fighting for points and, you know, there might be five or six guys that are separated by a couple points. You know, it won't be – usually every cutoff race always has some drama where there's two guys that are, like, super close on points. But, you know, it's going to be wild. Especially I think Bristol is going to be a complete circus. I think the Roval – the Roval probably has the most potential of any race to be just a circus because Talladega yeah. is right before that. And there's probably going to be several guys that have a bad day or a DNF at Talladega and that – kind of shakes everything up going into the roval so i'm i'm thinking that'll be the nuttiest race of the year
1: all right i need i need to talk smack on bristol for a second have you ever have you ever been to a race at bristol
0: no i have not
1: okay so weird thing about bristol is they do not show you. I don't know if this is normal or not, but Bristol's the closest track to me. I don't know if you can tell, like if I have an accent or whatever, but I'm from the South. <laughs> um Bristol does not show the points battle on the massive Colossus TV they have. So when I was really? there in person, I was having to text my friend at home to watch on TV to tell me who was in and who was out. That is nuts. It's in, like I was – well, of course, I was like rooting for Byron and Bowman, and I was texting my friend like, did they make it? And after we left, we had to turn on NASCAR radio to be able to listen to hear if they made it or not.
2: Yeah, Couldn't that's tell a in real
1: Wild. I stupid. mean, I don't – have, have the woke or joke. It was a joke. Yeah, yeah, Joke. Definitely. I've not
0: as someone who goes to Daytona every year for the Coke 0400. I I don't like I noticed I never noticed that until you said that. And I don't think the Jumbotrons have live playoff picture points as they run. But the one thing is it's a cutoff race, so it's like it's Daytona, so like it's such a crapshoot to where anyone can win and points aren't really a big deal. But I, I feel like it's such a bad thing for people that go to the races because they need to be able to follow this stuff.
1: Yeah, it was brutal. I was texting my buddy, like, who is in? Who is in? And, of course, we we stopped thinking about it for a yeah. second because it was the Elliot Harvick fiasco. So, wild. Um, yeah, that it was just super weird of, like, trying to figure out, like, who is in, who is out.
0: Yeah, and I think Alex's dad brings up a good point is that some of these feeds – they don't always use the broadcast for television. I know Daytona does. They use the NBC picture and everything, but they eliminate the commentary yeah. and they 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 have a different ticker. That's basically it. But they still use the same yeah. camera angles and all that stuff. And they also don't have commercials, yeah. which is a big thing because they just they solely feed off the trackside cameras. So, and they use MRN commentary. So I feel like fans at the track at Daytona get a really nice picture of what's going on in terms of point situations yeah. and who gets a pit road penalty or whoever. But at a place like yeah. Bristol, you can't even hear the commentators because there's a car coming around every single second. They're all spread out. And it's a small track. So yep. you kind of have to have it all shown on the screen.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, I'm actually, fr- I'm friends with uh, Mark Garrow, who is the lead commentator for PRN. And it's funny because mm-hmm. I'm at the races and I text him afterwards. I was like, Hey Mark, I uh, hope you did good. Couldn't hear you the whole time. <laughs> Just like, I can't yeah, hear him. I, mean, I can't um, relate because it's, it's kind of weird. Daytona, it's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. yeah. Bristol, is. someone weird.
0: that goes to Daytona, it's, it's easy because the cars, when they're all packed up, whenever they all go by, they usually, like, they're, they're on the backstretch for, like, a good half the lap. So you can hear for, like, half the lap. You know, you can yeah. have a conversation with someone next to you. But if you go to Bristol or whatever, you probably can't do that.
1: Yep. Very true. Very true. It, it's, it's not great. I, I just, I know that got us off topic, but I just had to bring that up. Yeah, oh, just, but if Let it's me right, know like, you're at the right. racetrack who is in, let me know. <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. They,
0: they've got anyway. to find a I mean, it's the big, it's like a, such an enormous screen with four different sides. And it's like, come on now. Like you got to have that points bubble ticker.
1: Yep. Or at least let me, let me, I don't know it on my phone but of course i can't do that because the track wi-fi doesn't work and there's no cell phone reception so oopsie yeah, that's another big i don't point,
0: know. Cell reception
1: maybe like. they're trying to force you into buying scanners and listening to the to the broadcast i don't know it's just weird yeah
0: because i'm I, i'm really mad about the cell reception thing because i don't really spend time on my phone at a race very much to begin with like i I really only look at my phone during cautions and stage breaks. Like I'll send out a text or I'll, you know, I'll check to see if my driver got a penalty or whatever, but I I don't, I don't spend a lot of time on my phone, but when I do, it's really annoying because I literally cannot send out a text or whatever. And at the 500 this year, one of my friends had driven all the way down from like Virginia to take photographs for his company. You know, he was taking pictures and a lot of stuff and he was in the infield and I was sending him texts and whatnot during the race, because we're both fans of the same driver. And it was kind of annoying because I sent him a text after Hamlin got taken out of the 500 and it literally didn't send until the race was over. So, Oh yeah. It's just really frustrating because it's just, it feels like a stone age type problem that we shouldn't have.
1: Yeah, it is, it is, it is very weird. I don't know if they do that on purpose or if it's just a coincidence that every NASCAR track has the worst cell reception ever.
2: Yeah. Even they tell them, them. like
0: it's a world-class facility, but man, they got to step it up with phone reception.
1: I think they probably, they do it on purpose. They have to also, when you have that many people in in one area, that's a big thing is when you have that many people in one area, it's going to overload your cell towers. They can't handle that many people. So, That's just kind of how it is. Yeah. Chad says they do. I think they might. I think that that, and I think it kind of also naturally does that because of cell phone tower overload. I mean, that, that is a thing that happens. They can only process so many bits of info at a time, but it's wild. Like to get a Mm. fix though.
0: Yeah. And I think that brings us back to a point in the playoffs. Um, do you think we're going to see any changes for the top 10 in points and like who gets what out of, you know, there's four races left. You know, what do you think is going to happen in terms of the favorites? Like, do you think Chase Elliott's going to have another couple of wins and just boost the lead? Or do you think that maybe, maybe we're going to see like a um, let's just throw a name out there and say like Christopher Bell, let's just say, maybe he can get another win or what, what, what do you think is going to happen in terms of the heavy hitters?
1: I think that the top is probably going to stay relatively the same because I think that people are going to be less likely to take risks
0: mm-hmm.
1: personally. So I don't see – well, I say that. Ross Chastain definitely will. Um, oh, yeah, but he's your different. People like like Byron, Lugano sometimes, sometimes Logano, Chase Elliott. Those guys, mm-hmm. I think they're going to play it safe. Kevin Harvick, those guys are probably going to play it safe because they're already locked in. It's the Syndrichs, Bowman's, and the first guys out that I expect to be racing real hard and taking mm-hmm. pretty pretty swing and a miss because um, they're you know they're fighting for a playoff spot. Because I, mean, hey, I don't know if you know, but some people's some people's season is going to be over in four weeks, and you don't want yeah. it to be you because every race oh, yeah. after that doesn't matter. I, I feel like the
0: end of it's Daytona wild. might be the craziest race of the year so far.
1: I think like, that we're going to see make some it absolute better. bonehead moves.
0: Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. And I think we're going to see. I'm going to enjoy it in the stands just for the pure chaos. And I, I honestly, though, I wish it would enter green because I feel like there is a 100% chance that the race is going to end under caution. Like they're going to just wad up on the last lap.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: So I'm, I'm, Kind of interested to see what happens. And I feel like so far that we've had a crazy playoff picture. And I think that it has the potential to get a lot crazier. I mean, what's to say that we don't have 16 winners already in the playoffs and we have a 17th winner at Daytona. And then we get to the point of which one of these 17 guys is lowest in points and we kick somebody out. But I feel like Kurt Bush is kind yeah. of a. The obvious example now, because he's kind of just sitting duck with
1: all the races he's missed. Well, I mean, technically, he's still third from the bottom. Of course, Cindric and Bowman. I do
0: not know. Like who? Who out of the winners could theoretically drop below him?
1: Below Kurt, or drop out of the out of the playoffs? Like those guys. They
0: could, like if there's a new winner, let's just say I'm not. I haven't really looked at the point standings tonight, but if there's a new winner that's ahead of Kurt in points, and Kurt say misses another one or two races, like could like they could in their 17 winners they could theoretically bump him out if they're higher in points.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah I mean the, the, easy, the easy the easy one years. is like is like is like Blaney or whatever. I mean if I see Blaney getting a win. That'll that's where sense. it becomes weird because technically Kurt has more playoff points but like Cindric is still actively racing. Yeah. Yeah Blaney would have more points but like would you get rid I mean you can't get rid of Kurt until I guess you can. So even though yeah, he's, he's, he's not racing that. right now. Like,
0: would, they, would they just do it based on Do they go off season? I think that's where they, they do it based
1: off. off playoff points. So like if, yeah.
0: if I don't somebody know. like if Blaney and Kurt if, it, if there's 17 winners and Blaney and Kurt are two of them I feel like Wayne would get the last spot just because he's higher up in regular season points. And after the regular season finale, he would get a bonus for being second in points that would like really outweigh whatever Cook has.
1: Yeah. I I agree. agree. Yeah. They get, they get a pretty good, pretty good little boost there. I don't know. It's something that I will be very excited to watch going forward because I'm not exactly certain on how this is going to play out. Of course, every week has been different. I mean, we've got Michigan this week. There could be a shock winner this week. I hope it's Eric Jones. So That would be cool. Yeah. That's um, how I feel about it. It's just going to be – it's going to sit back and watch.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I think that's the fun part about it. Um, As much as I hate the playoffs, I will have fun watching to see what happens in terms of who gets in, who doesn't. Um, It's been a wild season so far. It's been a wild night on this podcast, and – you know, I think before we kind of settle down and get off um, first of all, Colton and I really want to thank Turnpike for coming on because Alex and Jared weren't able to come on tonight due to commitments and um, Colton had technical difficulties, so it was really important to have somebody step up because without you, we probably wouldn't have had to have an episode tonight.
1: Well, I appreciate it. I'm I'm yeah, I'm, really I'm pretty well happy I, I got to got to come on, time. so.
0: Yeah. And, you know, before we get off, um, like I said, thanks to Turnpike. Thanks to everybody for who watched us. And we hope that you can um, give us a like, give us a follow on our social media pages. We do Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a YouTube channel that uploads all of our old episodes. So just give us all a follow. Give Turnpike a follow. Um, we want engagement, and I feel like every little bit helps. So we appreciate everybody who watched, everybody who liked. Um it's really important for us to be able to talk to fans about racing. and I think that we don't do this for clout. We just do this to have fun. And for all the people that tune in with us and have fun with us, it's a really big deal for us. And I think looking into this fall, we're going to have a great time. So we hope to see you next week, and thanks for tuning in.